I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. And we are the, the Podcast, Podcast from, from the, the Crypt. Crypt. Join us every Friday as we discuss accounts of murder, mayhem, paranormal, and all things spooky. Plus a dash of comedy to help soothe your soul during these chilling tales. You can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Also, you can find us at thepodcastfromthecrypt.buzzsprout.com and you can choose from there how you'd like to listen. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at The Podcast From The Crypt. Be sure to tune in and listen to us discuss what nightmares are made of. Let's get weird. And as always, hail Satan. And we'll see you in hell. came here i watched a video that i didn't know that i wanted to watch but now that i have i'm really happy right it is a crab eating an onion ring oh yeah i bet that's cute it uh he he like holds it and takes little he clips a little piece of it sticks it in his little weird mouth oh his little gross over over and over again his little pinchy mouth yeah and then he took his mouth thingy and then scratched his eye you mean his, his pincer? Yeah. No, his mouth. Oh. He looked you know, they look like the predator kind of. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he took his thing, stretched it up in his little <laughs> hangy eye and like scratched it and then kept eating the onion ring. Like a real American. Yeah. And then there was a video well, how I got to that was a goose eating peas. Mm. There's mm. two of them. The guy gives them a bowl of peas and these two ducks, I guess they're ducks. Are they ducks or geese? Ornithologic ornithologists I, are gonna yell at us. I think they're ducks, actually. All right. Uh but they devour a bowl of peas in thirty seconds. Oh my gosh. They're just like jamming their head in there. Yeah. And Nothing they have those, left. Nothing those, uh, left. Scoopy beaks on mm-hmm. them. They can just fucking It's quite a sight. I would give it a Google. It's quite or a YouTube, I guess. Is it like uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos, but with it's ducks? It's basically, and you hear their little bills hitting the bowl. Oh, sure. It's uh, it, it's a fun video. Cuties. It's little a... cutie duckies. <laughs> uh, all right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bubble Butt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me this week, Skeleton Crew, once again, <laughs> me and Cody. It's just Cody. Hello, Cody. Hello, Adam. How was your week? It was good. Did you, uh, uh... You know, hold on. Let me tell you what happened yesterday. Because mm. I remember at one point you had shoulder problems, right? Oh, it still hurts me. Does it? Yeah, but not as bad as when I was working. I I, I don't know what happened. I think I slept funny, right? It's like right the muscle in between your neck and your shoulder. Oh. Just like solid pain yesterday, and the pain felt like it was coming from... Like the socket itself, it was the, sh- the shoulder that I broke in the car crash That'll too. Do, so yeah. I'm like, fuck. But and it was. Pre- do you think it had anything to do with the pressure? 
outside because of the weather, how humid it is and how pressure filled <sighs> the atmosphere was? Uh, I, I don't think so. Like, it was all day long. Uh, just radiating yeah, pain? Yeah. Like somebody stuck a fork in your neck and was trying to gr- <laughs> like twirl it up like spaghetti all day? It felt like a little shot of electricity in my shoulder socket <sighs> oh, that's most of the day. And then it's like, I'm doing all these exercises, I'm heating it, I'm... Uh, cold compressing it and that kind of made it it hurt Mm -hmm. worse and then finally like at the end of the night it finally went away now it's like okay but good man god damn i the only time i pulled that muscle before is i had my seatbelt on and i sneezed too hard Mm. and pulled it and i'm like fuck you ever done that before oh yeah god i hate that oh that hurts so bad it's like a hot water being poured down that fucking hurts <laughs> yeah. but uh i remember you had you were having a really bad then you got a massage that was the best was decision i ever mm. made was to get that massage by the hippie man yes that was working <laughs> on a jordan's weird uh garage gym that i don't think's there anymore not there they had to shut down Did that's they? uh that's the way of the fucking yeah. world for small gym owners right now i feel yeah. real bad for them i i actually read some guy's post that said he wouldn't care how many people died. He just wants to get back to the gym. That was his quote. And I'm like, yikes. Okay. That's uh, insane. <laughs> yes, that absolutely. man is a terrorist. That yeah. man is a terrorist. <laughs> you don't need to go back that fucking no. bad. No. It kind of makes sense, like, for Brad. He can mm. go to that gym. Mm. Nobody's there. I think they do pretty good sanitation and social distancing. Distancing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he goes to a muscle man gym, right? It looks like it from the pictures he sends me. The Cottage he, Grove one? That boy just put down, he just squatted 325. He was over 200 for the first time of his life, like uh, body weight wise. I he, can't believe it. He's got the genes for it. I just remember when he was a 150 pound little whelp, mm, mm-hmm. just running around the place like a little drunken savage. You know what? Uh, if it helps his depression, why not? That's all that matters. Keep to me. doing it. Uh, I wish Jordan was still roided up. Oh, but uh, he's got a new steroid, and it's called a baby. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll keep him going. Uh, all right, Cody. I think we need to dispel with the pleasantries. Okay, and get directly into Jennifer Pan Part Two: The Conclusion of Canada's Casey Anthony. Cody. Yes. We left off last week. Uh, well, there were three of us last week when we started, but this week, <laughs> it's just the two of us. Mm. We left off with Jennifer Pan in the hands of Detective Bill Gates. Not the billionaire. Not the... Not the guy who's allegedly going to inject us all with a microchip for the mark of the beast. He's giving us 5G. <laughs> pentagram, bro. Ugh. 5G. I... Pentagram. I... People are fucking insane. He was in the middle of playing both the good cop and the bad cop at the same time. Gates had her fooled into believing satellites could see through walls and worked as always recording x-ray cameras. This isn't fucking Batman Arkham <laughs> Asylum, goddammit. That technology does not exist. After all, police in Canada are indeed allowed to lie to get a confession, but in no way are they allowed to make deals, threaten, or promise anything on behalf of the judicial system and the courts. You remember that, uh... What's the Confessions documentary Netflix did? Confession tapes? Yes, and the Canadian, I assume they're what this guy was, where they- A truth validation expert? Yeah, uh, and they kept saying, fucking, 
are fucking <laughs> in a Canadian oh accent like every two sentences. That was like the first one, right? Yeah, it was that like one is hilarious. Indian kid and the yeah. white kid and the yeah, 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 yeah. nuts. This shit was fucking. Hilarious. I wonder if he's doing that to her. Listen, fucking Jennifer, I got these X-ray cameras. Uh, you know he is. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Let's let's think about Batman for real quick. Yeah, real quick. I'm in he, there. He has the X-ray vision, right? Yes. And we know how much radiation x-rays give off so are his eyes just literally full of tumors they are tumors now <laughs> okay. his eyeballs just are actually tumors. eyeball shaped tumors <laughs> okay that developed sight <laughs> we joined detective gates and jennifer now with gates on the hunt to crack any information he could concerning the identity of the three perpetrators he knew that she knew a lot more than she was letting on especially about daniel wong mm whose name kept being brought up by almost everyone interviewed in this case. Jennifer, like a broken record, kept repeating, What happens to me? What happens to me? What happens to me? Before snapping to <laughs> attention with a new version of her story. She starts talking about how she tried to stop them. If I could have stopped them, I would have. Next, inaudibly, on the audio, but picked up by Gates, she whispers, <laughs> They were supposed to take me, just me, because... I'm such a disappointment. It was supposed to be me, so they could be free from me. I am disappointed in everything. Even when I tried suicide, I failed. Ugh. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of self, self-loathing self you got going on there. Boo. You know what's funny? That picture you sent me for our Instagram post, I'm just like, just looking at her picture, you're like, I don't know. She Something looks wrong with her. I know. And she's 24. Like, she looks mm. like she's 16 or 17, and she's 24. She, that is true. She does. And she acts like it, too, <laughs> with her, like, fetal position and her dry-eyed sobbing and all that nonsense. Well, how I knew instantly she was guilty from the picture is because a girl her age should have been doing, like, duck lips or something in a picture. True. Like, the peace so, sign, yeah, duck lips. Yeah. Do it, like, like a filter on there, maybe. Hands on the hips, <laughs> one knee yeah, out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gotta get all the angles or whatever. (laughs) Gates is pissed at her petulance, practically cringing himself Mm. off his chair. Jennifer goes on to explain that she didn't know who the hit squad was. She only knew one of their phone numbers and knew that one of them went by the name Homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay, was that in her cell phone? I got it. It was. was. All capitals Homeboy. (laughs) It was. You'll see that these scumbags, they, they... They have a system to try and stay off the grid. Okay, all right. Her order to them was to come in the house and kill her. They know it was her because she was the only young girl in the home. Jennifer then says that she got Homeboy's number from a man (laughs) named Rick. Suspiciously, she left Daniel Wong's name out of things completely. According to Jennifer, the agreed-upon price to have these three men kill her was $2,000. If she wanted to die, she was to have the 2K ready and in the house on November 8th. First off... My father's name's Rick, and a Rick without a K in it, don't trust him. Yeah, unless it's Ric Flair. You're right. Yeah. Number two, so she's claiming that she wanted to pay assassins to kill her. That's right. That is the ultimate edgelord move. You bet your ass it was. <laughs> oh, my it, God. Oh, she is such a fucking nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gator here was starting to lose it. What you've just told me is a half-truth. Sit up. Look me in the eyes. What I do believe is that you paid a man $2,000. What I don't believe is that the job was for you. It was always for your parents. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty unbelievable story. <laughs> 
Jen doubles down and adds reinforcement to her outrageous, sappy, soap opera-sounding story. She brings up her hidden iPhone again. She said that was the phone she used to communicate with the killers. They texted her asking for VIP access, and that was her cue to go unlock the front door. Okay, I don't even... This sounds like a fucking fans-only thing. Fans-only? Only, is it only fans or fans only? I don't know. What do you, what do you mean? Like the were internet celebrities and stuff, uh, Twitch girls and stuff. Like you pay them for nudes on there. Really? Isn't that only fans or fans only or something like that? You don't have to be lonely <laughs> at fansonly.com. You've never heard of that? City folks just don't <laughs> get it. I think it's only, fans only, I think. So like if you... Started to want to sell your nudes or something, you'd go on there. All right. And then any fans of the Bumblebee podcast could get nudes of you if they paid money. Well, or maybe you do a webcam show, something like that. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll market this. I'll okay. do some, maybe I'll do some themed only f- based on our episodes. I'll <laughs> yes. dress up as cotton and oh, stuff like that. People would pay good money for that, I guarantee it. And show my wiener could off. You, could you <laughs> shave that perfect, like flat haircut like cotton has you bet your ass i could especially with the amount of growth i got going on the mm. amount of salad i got mm. going on up here right now is yours yeah yours is thick enough to stick up like that i think i got like a larry bird mold <laughs> going on right now to be honest hey he's a millionaire i just watched the last dance okay. we'll talk about it later okay all right all right gates might have pushed his luck a bit too far with what he said next as far as trying to trick jennifer to admit her guilt but he was truly annoyed Your dad wasn't supposed to live, but when he did live, he was able to tell us what happened that night, which was in conflict with what you told us. This is how you deal with stress. You give half, and you keep half. That's your stress mechanism. That's what you've been trained to do. No one thinks bad of you here. Everybody in this police department feels sorry for you. Basically, it's like a volcano. And at one point, it was just too much, and you erupted. Is this guy fucking alter ego Dr. Phil or what? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Well, I'm Dr. Phil. (laughs) Jennifer coldly responded with, Is that what you want me to say? But that's not what happened. I need you to listen closely, okay, Jen? At this point of the investigation, I will be arresting you for murder. Also attempted murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Do you understand? Ooh, okay. Bold claim here. So she, from there went to a small detention center awaiting trial, which would still be fucking three years away, by the way. Three years? You bet your ass. The trial won't even take place till 2014. (laughs) I guess Canada's justice system is even slower than America's, That's how she goes. Mm. In a rough-and-tumble area northwest of the center core of Toronto lies the neighborhood of Rexdale. Located on the shore of Lake Ontario, it produced three of the chirpiest brothers to play in the NHL, the Subans. Is that one of my favorite guys for the Predators? Not anymore. He's with the Devils, but he's yes. With the Devils. P.K. Okay. Subban, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's got a brother named Malcolm, who's a goalie, and he's got another brother named, I can't remember, and he's something else. Hmm, interesting. I didn't even know there was anybody besides the one. Full family of them. Mm. Not just tough boys and tough hockey players come from Rexdale, though. Also, three out of the four names that are going to become incredibly important to the police come from Rexdale. Eric Carty, a.k.a. Sniper, Lenford Crawford, and David Milvaganum. Please tell me Snipe is like his 
PlayStation Network username or something. That is the only name he goes by <laughs> on the streets. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't even give out his name Eric to anybody. Mm, but Sniper? Just Sniper. Okay. But, and he's quite a bit older than all the other characters in this story. He's like 35, 34, something like that. Is he actually a Sniper? No. We will get into how he <laughs> okay. earned that nickname. Okay, but it's awfully cringy. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> By the way, it should be noted at this point, not a single person implicated right now is a white person. Oh. There is an Asian and uh, varying degrees of black people. Okay, is so a- Eric Sniper is an right. African-American male. Eric Cardi is like African-Canadian. Okay. Uh, he sounds... I I don't know what to say. Like what I when I say Lenford Crawford, he's from Kingston, Jamaica. Okay, okay. originally from Jamaica. Okay, David Milvaganum was born to a Sri Lankan father and a Jamaican mother, and they immigrated to Canada. Okay. so that's what I mean by like he's like a Canadian, African Canadian. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> yeah. a naturalized, born here. His parents were born here. That kind of stuff. Okay, all right, all right. You know his name's awfully close to Eric Cartman. It certainly is. No wonder he wants to be called Sniper. Just like Charles Manson Field. God, I love it every time (laughs) I I drive by. In 2006, a journalist for the Toronto Star wrote that... Rexdale has become shorthand for suburban blight, social breakdown, and gang violence. Like in cities all across our own U.S. today, police tried dumping money, resources, and officers to clean up the streets, but it never sticks. Because just like many cities in our own U.S. today... They tried to use might to pacify the population, and in this case, Rexdale is predominantly minority. So it's like a pocket city of Toronto, kind of. Exactly. Okay. But All Toronto right. is, god damn, it's like the London of Canada. It's really? so international. Yeah, you're not going to... Really? Well, it's know- like you're not going to find too many Canadians in, in Toronto, just like you're not going to find too many British people in London. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not like Quebec where... If you're not French, you're not welcome. Yeah, then they tell you, get out of here. That's crepey boys, that's, that's how they roll. Montreal. <laughs> I'm from Montreal. <laughs> Two weeks after the murder of Bic Han Pan and attempted murder of Han Pan, on November 23rd, 2010, the Command Triangle pushes their investigation entirely to finding the perps. Han Pan is the key person, and he's filling in more blanks for the investigators with every passing day. Mm. Without a warrant, investigators couldn't get the full records for Jennifer's iPhone from Bell, the carrier, but they were given a snapshot which shows timestamps and phone numbers for calls and texts. From the snapshot, they uncovered pretty quickly that Daniel Wong had not been honest with Detective Milligan. Daniel had told Milligan that he hadn't spoken with Jennifer in over a week before November 8th. This snapshot shows that on November 8th alone, the two exchanged 36 texts and 14 phone calls. Here you had me believing Daniel was innocent. I, I, right? God damn it. That's, uh, you can thank Jeremy Grimaldi and a Dodger's <laughs> okay. Deadly Deception for that. <laughs> I mean, did these people not understand that cell phones were being tracked at no. the time? Okay. Because they were using burners and shit, thinking that was going to whatever. But when idiots have your name, your actual name as your burner in their contacts, <laughs> it's not going to help you. When you get a cricket mobile phone or whatever, yeah, they're going to still track you. Is that Cricket Wireless? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, or Virgin Mobile. or. Mm. I was wondering how that Richard Branson son of a bitch got so rich. 
A Virgin Mobile. I've never even seen someone with one in their hand. Oh, I used to have one. That really? was my first phone. Yeah, a pay-as-you-go phone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because it was like 2009. Mm. And I was like 19, and everybody else had phones, and I'm over here like... <laughs> Waiting for people by the house phone, waiting for my mom to be like, Adam, it's for you. <laughs> my mom doesn't sound like that, by the I, way. I, I remember those days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also on the snapshot were a bunch of numbers in rapid succession that had no name or address attached to the accounts. Burner phones, they are commonly referred to as. Prepaid cells that make mm. the user much, much more difficult to track. Each of these calls lasted no more than 45 seconds at the long end, and 20 seconds at the short end. The last call received from one of these burners was at 10.05 p.m. It lasted 3 minutes, 22 seconds, and that was only 5 minutes before the home invasion that took place at 10.13. So this is probably the go-ahead-with-it. Let me give you the breakdown of what's going on in the house. Exactly. Okay, all right. Getting a warrant for the cell tower information was a cinch after that. Unfortunately for police, it can take up to a month for the cell company to provide the data after a judge signs off. While awaiting the data, detectives tried throwing a Hail Mary and calling every one of the burner numbers in the iPhone (laughs) call history. Unsurprisingly, no one answered. Yeah, probably wouldn't with a burner (laughs) phone. It's the point of a burner phone. He also texted all of the cell (laughs) numbers and said, hey, it's Detective Milligan with the police. Call me. (laughs) I figured he'd be like, hey, big boy, are you feeling naughty tonight? Give me a call back. You want some hot nudes? Text back oh, this number. Wanna... He's got to be more tactful than he is being right now because it's too hot. You can't just be like, hey, this is Detective McDonald. Yeah. Yeah, that would be – that's a ridiculous thing. To I, I So uh, was it yesterday or the day before? I got a call. I never answer my phone if I don't know the number, but I got a call. I'm answering and he's like – Hey, I'm offering you a free uh, roof inspection. Woo. And as I, I told him, I'm like, oh, no, we just replaced the roof like three years ago. And then he messes up his script. And like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Hold on a second. I can hear him flipping the pages. He's like, well, actually, we cover that within blah, 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 blah. Uh. I'm like, no, no, I don't need it. No, thank you. It's like, you have a nice day. And he kept talking. Then I felt bad, but I just hung up. Uh, I, I can't answer my phone. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I think he might have been a scammer, but I could be wrong. Hey, maybe he actually was a roof inspector. Man. Maybe he gets money from the insurance company if he comes if they, home. If they do it, probably. I don't know. Just the best thing to do is just don't ever talk to me. Don't ever offer me things. I don't want it. I'm too scared. I don't want nothing. <laughs> Leave me alone. With another frustrating sit-on-your-hands-and-wait situation, Detective MacDonald, a clean-cut military veteran, pulled up to the house of Lenford Crawford the only number on the Bell iPhone call log that was tied to an actual name and address. Lenford Crawford was born in Kingston, Jamaica, on June 2nd, 1982. His father, Lenford Crawford Sr., got sponsorship from the Canadian government and bolted, leaving behind his wife, son, and daughter. Lenford Sr. would end up marrying his sponsor in Canada and starting a new family. Okay, so (laughs) when you said bolted, I thought you meant he left Canada, but no, he just... Found a new family. He left Jamaica for Canada. Okay. He got sponsorship oh, to go okay. to Canada from so, Jamaica. So how did how exactly does a Canadian sponsorship work? You're just you know how Lamine got brought yeah, over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same kind of thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, it's a lot colder in Canada than is Jamaica. I think there's a lot more opportunities for people <laughs> <laughs> than there are in small little. Well, when uh, you when you hear about uh, Bob Marley. 
I what was it? Somebody came into the or no, they went into the Jamaica radio station armed with AKs and took it over or something, right? Mm-hmm. Is that his story? Yeah. It's like a wild place. It still is a wild place. <laughs> it's like tyrannical against the poor people. Really? Yeah. Like they yeah. obviously the resort parts are amazing. Yeah. But the poor people that are there are not living well. So are you saying that maybe Sandals Resort we shouldn't be supporting them? That might they might be a problem <laughs> unless they sponsor us, in which case I yeah, love, I love you sandals. sandals. I'll talk about sandals all the time. <laughs> So you give us money and free trips. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. Uh, you can keep your trips. Just give me the <laughs> give me the cash. Well, after Corona is over, maybe then we can take a trip. I will never go <laughs> on a cruise ship, but I will definitely go on a trip if that's the case. Well, you can fly to one of their resorts. Oh yeah, yeah, I suppose. Eat and eat and everything. Chill on the beach. Huh? Do it. Fly in. Yeah. yeah. I don't need a two. I don't need a boat. No. Boats are for losers. Boats are for people that want to be trapped on <laughs> sickness-infested... Boats are for hepatitis B. That's yeah, what they're for. Exactly. <laughs> if you're a fisherman, you're going to get hep B yeah, out there. Everybody knows it. Everyone. I watched Royal Pains. There was a whole story mm. arc about it. <laughs> I also watched that, and there's a guy, a kid who got Lyme's disease. Oh, yeah. And that was... Uh, would he have a tick, like, in his ear, and then he just fainted, and then... He magically took the tick out and he was cured, but Instantly. little did little they know uh, Lyme disease is not curable. That's not how that works, really. <laughs> no. With a severely diminished income, Magretta Crawford, Lenford's mother, mm. did what she could to keep her son and young daughter fed and independent. Eventually, she had to admit defeat and move back in with her parents. So she did as good as she could. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, she gave her the good old mom. fucking college try, that's mm. for sure. Lenford Jr. gets sent to his father's in Vancouver to get a better education than he could get in Kingston. This was a big mistake. Okay. Lenford Sr. didn't look after his son very well, and Jr. was able to roam the streets at will and start hanging out with some unsavory characters. He would be picked up several times over the next few years for piddly drug charges. So, uh, I'm ass- Lenford, how old is he at this point when he gets sent there? High school, I'm assuming, right? Nope. Oh, no, oh, yeah, when he gets sent to okay. Amer- er, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said better education instantly. I thought of college. Mm. And then I'm like, well, that's kind of his responsibility to take care of himself when he's in college. But if he's in high school. Yeah, for his late high school years. Yeah, dad mm-hmm. needs to be kind of making sure he keeps him out of trouble. Fuck yes. Yeah. It's real easy to find trouble when you're in high school. Especially in Canada. Oh, oh Canada. <laughs> Margetta and her new husband finally get sponsorship and move to Vancouver to try and finish raising Lenford the right way. It actually kind of works. Lenford falls in love with fast cars, and he gets a job at a high-end mechanic shop called Kick Customs as a stock boy. Okay. After three short months, his hard work and dedication pay off, and management promote him full-line mechanic. He was getting $17 an hour, owned his own car, and worked as much overtime as he could. Hey, that's great. Hell yeah. That is great. I know an individual who would like to probably do this as well. Hell yeah. (laughs) Detective MacDonald woke Lenford up from a nap with his knocking. Hmm. Seemingly relaxed, Lenford agrees to be interviewed by the police at the station on the one condition that they drive him to work at Kick Customs after they are done. Okay. So he's saying... I don't want to be late. I can do a police interrogation, but make sure I'm to work on time. You better get me to fucking work okay. afterwards. Well, so he's done a 180 since he was been getting involved with the, the bad crowd, and now he's 
really wants to make sure he's going to work on time. It shows dedication. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really good-looking thing. <laughs> it's a little bit of Jordan in this young man. Fuck yes. <laughs> After the pleasantries, telling the police where he worked and how hard he worked, talking about his son, talking about trying to reconcile with his baby mama, McDonald eventually steers the conversation towards Daniel Wong, a name that's been coming up way too frequently for investigators not to ask. Mm. As it turns out, Lenford did know him, but mostly called him by his nickname, Bruce. And they used to hang out, but nowadays, with Lenford working full-time and being a father, he just didn't have time to run with those fellas anymore. Ain't got time for Bruce's bitch ass. Mm. Bruce. Fucking Bruce. I don't know how you go from Daniel to Bruce. Yeah, he doesn't even like look like a Bruce. <laughs> no. he, he just looks like a little Asian guy. Like, if you... Is Bruce... A regular first name, or is that like a nickname of a regular name? No, that's a regular one. A regular one, okay. Do they call him Butch sometimes instead of Bruce? I think Butch might be a... Or Butch a regular name. Okay. I feel like I knew somebody named Butch. Butch. Maybe they called him Bruce. I don't know. Bruce. All I can think about is Bruce Campbell when I hear that name. Yeah. It's the only thing that comes to my mind. Stocky fella. I don't know any other Bruce's. Stocky fella with a chainsaw hand. That's what they call... Australians. That's what English people call Australians. And then Australian people call English people Nigels. <laughs> I was just going to say, English or uh, Australians have some very interesting slang terms. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They almost don't even make sense. Yeah. I think another one I heard for uh, British people was like tar, liquor, or no, something like that. It's pretty racist. It sounds like already. Uh, well, it it's... For British people. Yeah. Because obviously Australians probably don't like British people that much. No, because that's who banished them <laughs> yeah. to their spider hell. It was something like that. I'm just like, what the... Or, I don't know. It was fucking weird. Didn't make Tory any sense. Tory bastards? Were they Tory bastards? Because that... It might be. I don't know. It yeah. was just like the weirdest... I'll give... Australians are clever. I'll give them that. Definitely. They're Quick very way. clever. Especially Aussie, man. <laughs> Oh, yes, he's great. <laughs> McDonald asks how he knows Jennifer Pan. Lenford kept pleading that he didn't know her at all. But with the old McDonald pressure turned up, he gets him to admit to calling Jennifer to try and reach Daniel. Well, I mean, if he's essentially treating him like Superman, boring holes through his <laughs> eyes, then... This cycle happens two or three more times over. McDonald asks Lenford a question. Lenford gives a vague half-answer. McDonald turns up the heat and Lenford admits to even more. It all finally clicks into place, and Lenford relents and tells Detective McDonald that the reason he called Jennifer's iPhone at 10 a.m. and 6.13 p.m. on November 8th was to try and figure out where Daniel was so he could re-up on weed. I suppose he couldn't just say, I wanted to get high, You don't, not to a cop. You don't want to lead with that in a police interrogation. I mean, you got a cop and, like, Probably a dozen horses in there staring at you. Yes. It's kind of intimidating. <laughs> Here's the thing with uh, uh, Lenford, too. Afterwards here, mm. they'll call each other like idiots. They okay. call each other again like idiots. And, Fucking idiots. And Daniel's like, okay, that's perfectly fine. Uh, they know about the weed. That's fine. So as far as as far as they know, we only know each other for car parts and weed. And that'll be fine. We can deal with a weed charge. Just probably not this murder. <laughs> They need to take a page out of George Washington's book where you hire a young lad on a horse to hand deliver a handwritten note. That's it. Then they maybe can't track. I mean, they can probably track you still, but your you success rate 
He's probably higher. That young man needs to make sure that that <laughs> letter's burned. Isn't yeah. It? Or can they send, uh, what would be a bird Pigeon. in Australia? Oh. Maybe like a goose. They tie a little note to a goose's leg. Why in Australia? Um, I mean, Canada. Canada. <laughs> yeah. I get them mixed up. They're both <laughs> islands, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, they tie a little little note to like a Canadian goose. Send them over to Daniel's house. Huh. I mean, they're all over the place. The cops aren't going to think there's a note attached to them. No, that's just so that's just a regular go. goose right there. It's fine, or maybe like a a beaver. Get like a little untrustworthy. Like, <laughs> they'll eat it. They will. Yeah. What if you put it in like one of those tubes that they use in banks, like what? the plastic, oh, ones. like a vacuum tube or whatever? Yeah. Mm. Maybe they'll just end up going into their little house and... Yeah, they'll put it on their dam. Did It'll I tell... be their prize log. Did I tell you? I remember a long time ago, we were talking about trying beaver tail. And my cousin Josh claims he'll he'll get us one if we want one. I don't want a beaver tail. <laughs> I'm not going to eat no fucking I've varmints. I've been curious about what it tastes like. Well, do it and then get a parasite and I'll <laughs> interview you on the podcast. You'll be the first brain parasite <laughs> victim on a podcast. I died from eating a roasted beaver tail. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> when time was up on the interview and Lenford Crawford was walking to his cab to work, paid for by the police, mm. McDonald for sure thought they were looking at one of the murderers. Specifically... He was sure he was looking at the one called Homeboy. As of right now, he had a pretty good alibi. He was punched in at work from 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. on November 8th, and the invasion took place at 10.13 p.m. It's pretty easy, you're telling me. Get your buddy to punch you in, and, well, guess what, Cody? Yasin style. The time clock <laughs> was a thumbprint sensor, so it's quite a bit more convincing than usual. Okay, how is it this company... Has a thumbprint sensor clock in and out, and in this this date, you and I at Walzer Automotive were still using a piece of paper and a stamp card. I know. What the fuck is going on I know. here? But in 08. Oh, in 08. Jesus in, Christ. No, no. Back back when I was working in 08 at the ice factory, we had a handprint sensor. That was Did our time. You? Yeah. And then I went to Walzer. I was like, what the fuck? I got to punch a clock? Okay, I don't, I've never worked a job where they had a handprint sensor. <sighs> I don't even like to use it on my phone yet. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I can but, see that. Uh, now mine sees my face and opens <laughs> up, so that's even worse. What happens if you, like, get plastic surgery or something? I guess I'll have to call Apple's. <laughs> Once I get my uh, face lift, I'll have to call Apple. You need to watch the movie Goodnight, Mommy. What is that? It is... So the whole movie is the mother has plastic surgery and she has twin sons and they become convinced that that's not their mother anymore. Oh. And then they kind of start trying to figure out if it's actually their mom or not and then it gets really demented. With oh. two kids not treating their mom very nicely towards the end. Because they don't think it's her. Yeah, because they don't think it's, they think it's an imposter. Jesus. Very good though. German movie. Yeah, that sounds all right. It's What's good. that on? I maybe Tubi or something. It's on free. a lot of shit. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can watch for free for sure. Excellent. It's very good. Next up to be questioned was Andrew Montemayor. <laughs> if you'll remember this unique name, Jennifer accidentally let it slip in her initial interview. According to Detective Gates, who was running this interview, Montemayor was a terrified-looking, queasy young Filipino. Andrew starts to croak out that he never talked to Jen on 11-8, but before it even gets out of his mouth, Gates slaps down a stack of papers that says, These are all the text messages. 
this is for November 8th. All these pages. How do you explain if you didn't talk to her that day, you texted her a hundred times. Seven pages of texts. <laughs> That's quite a few. This is the day her mother was shot and killed, and you're texting her at that time. That concerns me, Andrew. You knew sooner or later that Jen was going to get arrested, and she's sitting in that chair, and she's going to tell us everything that happened, who she was talking to, how this thing all came about. So what if he what if he was like, okay, we got all these incriminating text messages, but I'm confused about one, sir. What the hell is a Bob's and Veggie fix? <laughs> Show me Bob's and Veggie. Yeah. What is this like a, a secret code for like kill or this drop one, or what? This is the one code yeah. we couldn't crack, sir. <laughs> we don't know what a Bob's and Veggie is. <laughs> Show me Bob's and Veggie. Andrew could only play dumb for so long. It looked as if police had him dead to rights. So he starts spilling his guts. Andrew said Jennifer called him that day, November 8th telling him how fed up she was with her parents' prison-like rules. She told Andrew she planned a home invasion for tonight, but was going to make it look like a robbery. The men she hired would demand money and then kill her parents. Jennifer was to be tied up and unhurt during the ordeal. Mm. They should make like a... I, after you just said that, I feel like they should make an adult version of Home Alone and base it around this story. Mm. The traps are for his parents. Or I no, think- he pays... Here, or what's the robbers' names? I can't think of their names now. Lenford, Cur- oh, in the show. In Home Alone. Oh, he my. pays them the to come. The wet work bandits. Yeah, the wet work bandits. Yeah. He pays them to come kill his family. And tie <laughs> him up. Make it look like an accident. Well, L- look, I mean- he's, he calls him, he's like, look, I know we've had a rough history, guys, but I could really use a big favor right <laughs> now. You can steal whatever you want, just... Come take out my family. My jerk-ass older yeah. brother. Yeah. My mom the guy who forgets who, me every time. The guy who drinks Pepsi and pisses in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> At first, Andrew started laughing, he said, when she brought this up. But she wasn't laughing. He told her, hey, it's up to you. Do what you need to. Not actually taking her seriously, he had known her to have a flair for the dramatics. Mm, a, a girl who refuses to smile has a... Flair for the dramatics. Here. That's uh, that's you got that a hundred percent right. I, she should have just been an Applebee's waitress, and she was, but she had to hide it. Well, Eastside Mario's. I don't know if that's Applebee's. As for the other texts that day, Andrew said they were only about how much he had a crush on Jennifer and him complaining about stress at his job. Mm. Andrew gives up another big juicy piece of info. He said in the spring of 2010, she had actually contacted him to do the wet work. All of this was incredibly helpful in strengthening the case against Jennifer, but it didn't get the police any closer to finding the actual triggerman. Hmm. I wonder why he's, like, I mean, he's not really involved, right? I mean... Guess what? The Crown, I'll just tell you this straight up, the Crown doesn't prosecute. Okay. They only go after a certain few of them. And everybody else, including this Rick, Andrew, they all get to skate right right through. Well, it sounds like she asked him... But he didn't agree to it, or is he lying, too? No, that's, as far as the Crown is concerned, the official story, He, she asked him to do the killing six months earlier in the spring. And is, in Canadian law, is he supposed to report her for that? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. Mm-hmm. All I know is they didn't prosecute. He's considered an innocent man right now. Well, it sounded like he's still holding out for those Bob's and Beijing picks. I think so. 
He's probably in. Look, Jennifer, I didn't <laughs> rat on you, man. Can I please have the bobs invade you? <laughs> well, we'll see when she's able to send those. <laughs> okay. On December 17th. It's my this... birthday. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Hell yeah. The cell phone tower records finally came in. All of the detectors considered this to be their Christmas. There was so much data to go through, confirming old suspicions and giving light to so many more. Mm. Hanpan walked into York Regional Police's Markham Station. His facial wounds were looking a lot better than they had, and he was starting to regain some mobility in his neck. Han participated in a photo lineup, and out of 12 pictures, he only ID'd one. In broken English, Han says, I think maybe this guy, I can see him only 10 minutes without my glasses. I'm not 100%. I didn't confirm 100%, but it very much like person who held me. Okay, so he he has enough memory to remember who the guy was. The person he identified mm. was David Milvaganum. <laughs> this guy asked me for Bob's and Veggie. <laughs> or he shot me, bastard. On the picture, which we can post mm. for Instagram, he has a hell of a jerry curl. Does he? It's pretty crazy looking. And he's got a, a pretty pedo-looking skinny mustache, too. So he kind of looks like Deion Sanders from the 80s or 90s. But even more Islander. <laughs> okay, okay. On the phone, registered as contacts, were two women named Georgia McQuaid and Francine Johnson. They gave up a man known as, quote-unquote, the Indian, when police show up to question why and how they were in the phone of murder suspect Jennifer Pan. Mm, okay. The Indian... Rambo, and Cooley were all nicknames that a fellow called David Milvaganum went by, probably because of his letter salad of a last name. Is Okay, we need to know. Please email us, Canadians. Like, are you required to have this many fucking nicknames here? I think they are. Like, yeah. all these people have goddamn nicknames. I know. What and is Jennifer Pan's fucking nickname? Je oh, I, can't, I don't even know. Mm. I don't even know. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had a special... Oh, also, Daniel Wong was also called The Kid. So he was called Bruce, The Kid. <sighs> they got... Well, I remember when you started this, when you said Jennifer Pan, all I could think about was a half-man, half-goat playing a flute. Yeah, so. Danny DeVito. Yeah, mm. so... David was born in Montreal to a Sri Lankan father and a Jamaican mother, like I said, and they quickly relocated to Rexdale for his father's work. He grew up near Eric Snipe Cardi's <laughs> house, and Eric remembers David all the way back to when he was a little kid causing trouble around the neighborhood. Mm, what does Canadian trouble look like? In Rexdale, I think it looks <laughs> a lot like uh, hardcore okay. project trouble. Okay, so they're not just like Canadian syruping someone's house on Halloween. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think they're syruping their doorknobs and stuff. <laughs> okay. As David grew in Rexdale, he started hanging around with the criminal element, but luckily for him... He had a reputation of being real slippery whenever the police came a-knocking. He had no record. Lenford eventually introduced David to Daniel Wong, and a new three-way partnership was born. Daniel had all the drug connections, Lenford had the car connections, and David was a straight-up hustler. Okay, this sounds like GTA 6 Canada. Yeah, right a little here. criminal conspiracy got, coming together. We got the Asian... You gotta, you gotta apologize every time you kill somebody, though. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you, oops, bud. didn't you see there, sir? Sorry, bud. <laughs> Which brings us to another name that I've mentioned a few times already. That being Eric Cardi, uh, a.k.a. Sniper. 
Cardi spent most of his youth in Rexdale. He was quiet, asthmatic, friendly, and a good student until he hit the 10th grade. The oldest of six children, he just wanted to fit in and follow the crowd when he was in school. By the time he hit his 30s, he would be characterized by others as the epitome of a leader. He would always take the dominant role in relationships, both male and female, and he was the life of the party. If there were three or more people in the room, it was like he was plugged into an infinite battery. At 15, he lost his hero, his father, in a tragic car crash, and from here, Eric went full-on criminal. In 1999, he made his first visit to the pen for discharging a firearm with the intent to endanger life. In the parking lot of a crowded water park, Eric saw someone he was beefing with, rolled up next to him with a 22, and shot him through the left eye. The bullet didn't penetrate the skull, so Eric was only sentenced to five years. This earned him the nickname Sniper, which he later had tattooed on his leg along with a pic of an AK-47 for some reason. He used the 22. <sighs> this literally sounds like the one guy from American History X. He also has a tattoo that says, ride for us or die with us or something like that. Ride with us or die I, for us. I wish this guy could meet, and I want you to beep this name out, in, in a duel. I don't know who would be the most badass, to be honest with you. Probably the hoax. Yeah. Probably you take him down. He's got that American street cred. See, this is what happened when you when in 1999 he heard his first Eminem album. That's and it. And then he grabs the goddamn gun to so tune it. it. Oh, that's Dre with an AK to his face. <laughs> he heard that song and was like, uh oh. That's crazy though that the 22 didn't penetrate. Like, didn't Eileen Warnos kill all the people with the 22? Yes, from like point blank though. Wasn't she in the cab with him when she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you made it sound like he literally walked up to him and popped Like a drive-by. Okay, 22 drive-by. All right. Yeah. Not... And in the book, listen, Jeremy Grimaldi, <laughs> you got something a little wrong here. Uh-oh. He says he rolled up to him with a 22 sawed-off shotgun, and I can tell you that that does not exist. There is no such thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've shot a 22. You literally, it's hard to tell the difference between a 22 and a fucking BB gun. It is. To be honest with it you. is. Obviously, the damage is a lot different, but. It sure is. Uh, 22s are no joke. You can hurt, you can really kill yourself yes, or yes, others yes, with yes. them. Don't, be careful, especially, idiots. I, uh, you know, Shitburger yeah. always told me that if you get hit in the head with the 22, it's going to jump around and scramble your brains. Give you a little scrambling? Mm, you don't want Maybe that's what happened to him. That's why he's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, they could be. He's he lit he's lived in inner I mean, honestly, he's kind of a combination of all these men put together. He is. He's gangsta, <laughs> yeah. hick, uh so, anything he needs to be in any situation. So are you saying sniper is bisexual? Were you putting that out there? No. In you no said way. Men and women. Male or female, dominant in both roles. Oh, like relation hey, not all relationships are romantic. You and I have never fucked and we have a relationship. I, yeah, I sub I thought you were implying that you got a dick he likes it, you got a vagina he likes it. <laughs> no, he's not Channing Tatum. Okay. <laughs> Wait, he likes both? Oh yeah. He Does is he? a notorious bisexual. Oh, yeah, he's a horny, done. horny boy. Get her done, Channing. Horny, horny boy. You know, uh I guess I probably I guess then anybody who thinks he's hot has a chance with him, right? He's a good-looking man. Mm, he is a good-looking man. He is, he is. After prison, Eric's behavior never improved. He didn't hold down a job, and his sources of income included the government, selling weed, and mooching off whatever girlfriend he had at the time. Mm, not a great character. When Cardi's name was run through the Canadian-wide database, police immediately put him on Canada's most wanted list. Uh, uh, a nationwide work... 
A nationwide warrant was issued along with his picture, and it doesn't take long before they find him hiding out in an apartment building in Brampton, a Toronto suburb. <sighs> I get, I'm guessing this guy literally jizzed in his pants when he found out he was on Canadian's most wanted list. He thought he was the hardest. Oh my God. You know he did. You know when he was playing fucking Call of Duty over Xbox, he's telling all those 14 year olds what a fucking badass he's he is. He's like, listen to this. That's police sirens rolling up. <laughs> he's like, look, bitch, you're going to call my, my mom a, a slut again? <laughs> I'm on Can- Canada's most wanted list, bitch. I will find you and sl- Snipe you with I my will. 22 sawed-off shotgun. You want to have a whole shitload of, like, quarter of an inch bullet holes in your fucking house, bitch? Keep talking. <laughs> when the task force arrives at the address, Sniper makes a daring and exciting running escape from arrest, but he leaves behind his asthma inhaler, which has his full name, address, and prescription information. You can't be gangster with an asthma inhaler. You can't. You just you can't. can't. You, I mean, I'm sorry, asthma people. I'm trying you to just think. Can't. Omar doesn't have anything wrong with him, right? In I the don't wire? think so. No, no. You just can't be hard and mm. be asthmatic. Mm. I'm sorry. You gotta run. I suffer from stress-induced asthma. I can't be a hard man. Do you have an inhaler? I wish I still had my inhaler, mm. but I don't got insurance. <laughs> That's America, baby. My fucking sertraline costs me seventy-eight bucks a month right now. Without health insurance. Uh, Oof, god damn, I didn't think it was that expensive. <sighs> That's America. He doesn't get away for long. On January 28th, an informant calls police and tips them off that Cardi is in the Bramick City Center food court having lunch. He is apprehended there without incident. Gangstas just couldn't resist that Sparrows, man. Little Panda Express, <laughs> little Sparrows, just mixing it up. Gotta have a New York slice while you're there. <laughs> With Sniper in custody, wiretaps were approved on both Lenford Crawford and Daniel Wong's phones. Also approved were full-time surveillance teams on Lenford, David Milvaganum, and Daniel Wong. To rile up Daniel and get some chatter going on the wire, detectives pull him in for a grueling six-hour interview. After it was concluded, detectives tell him, of course, he could have left at any time, and he coolly responds that he wanted to make sure there was no question of his innocence. He has no problem cooperating. Kind of smart on his end. Definitely. Kind of smart. What's not smart is what comes next. Ah, damn it, Daniel. The police were thrilled. This worked exactly as planned. Daniel immediately calls Lenford and cryptically tells him the police are on to everybody. They need to stay on script and only tell the police that they know each other for car parts and marijuana. Daniel went on saying the detectives are going to try and say that he rolled over on the group. Do not believe them. If you say that, that's extra suspicious. But he was, if I could read, (laughs) gosh, if I could read the the untranslated, because these are all like run through like the police's interpretation of them. But they're like, hey, bro, it's like nothing. Like, I have no idea what they're saying. Okay, okay. While grinding through the cell tower records, investigators find a fatal flaw in Eric Snipacardi's <laughs> bid to remain anonymous. Although Eric had 12 burner phones at the time of his arrest, none of them matter when doofballs like David Milvaganum save your actual name in their cell phone. A month and a half after the November 8th incident, a couple weeks before Christmas, David texted one of Eric's phones, asking for his cut of the money. Sniper responds by asking where in the hell all his money was going. As far as police know, David was never actually paid for his part in the home invasion. We got a fun Goodfellas situation going on here right now. (sighs) 
De Niro, De Niro is going to get him. These people, I swear to Christ, they had half an idea and then just went for it. Like, they didn't think farther beyond the I mean, immediate. I mean, when you have nicknames like Sniper Bruce and... <sighs> the Kid. The Kid. You, you're Cooley, not really... The Indian Cooley. Rambo. You're not really thinking here. Based on these texts, police rolled up on David Milvaganum at a mall. I don't know what it is with these guys in malls. <laughs> is that fucking Sparrow's Pizza, man? That's I can't get enough it. of oh. it. They're so sick of the Boston pizza, they want oh, the New York pizza. Oh my god. I didn't think about that. You know, what? every time I would go to the Burnsville Mall to hang out with my brother and Vance and stuff, mm. we would always go to Sbarro. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. You gotta... It's I, not good. I, you have to load it up with Parmesan cheese and yeah. the hot pepper. Oh, yeah. And like they do the, make a good chocolate chip cookie to go for a Never had too. that. Uh, I'm trying to think, what's the new pizza that's in, like, all the airports and malls now? You get, like, a personal pan when they have, like, funky flavors and stuff. I can't remember what oh, it's called. Oh, uh, punch, Punch's Pizza? Maybe it is. Not, I, know, I had it before. It's fucking delicious. Not CPK, right? It might be. I don't know. Hmm. I know we don't want to talk about that here. Canadian Pizza Kitchen, That's right. right. We want to keep that out of there. <laughs> it's just a big, big fucking donut with like a pool of coffee in the middle of it. <laughs> it's a coffee-infused donut here. Tim Hortons special. <laughs> yeah. Tim Hortons plus Pizza Hut I collab. Ju- I just keep thinking of like the bread bowls from like Panera oh or whatever, God. but it's just a donut with coffee in the middle of it. Renfair bread bowls, bro. Oh, oh my they're the God. best. Oh, I love the Renfair soup in a bread bowl do so they, much. What do you get like... If I'd it's sh- a real renaissance, wouldn't it be, like, muskrat soup and then, like, a shitty butter probably. on it? Probably not uh, broccoli cheese, which is what <laughs> I always get. I don't think they had broccoli or I, cheese. I'm, I'm assuming they, they thought broccoli was satanic back then. I but, think so. They yeah. didn't realize how good it was as little brooms <laughs> to clean out your colon. It's got the same hair texture as, like, a ginger boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> a young albino ginger. <laughs> yeah. When they caught him at the mall, they charged him with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and attempted murder, same things they charged mm. Jennifer with. Simultaneously, police descended on the jail Eric Carty was being held and charged him with the same. The heat was on, and Daniel and Lenford knew it. Daniel had an unknown male call Lenford to ask if he'd heard about Eric and David being strung up on murder one charges. While this was transpiring, police discovered from the cell record that both Daniel and Ledford phones had pinged on a tower in Ajax, a suburb about 45 minutes east of Toronto, hours after Jennifer's arrest. Mm. The prosecution suspected this Ajax meeting was to discuss the wrinkle in their plans now that their co-conspirator was arrested. Most importantly, how are they going to get paid? They're still concerned about that at this point. Definitely. Okay. They really don't they really don't they get don't it through understand. their heads that they're fucked. <laughs> Everybody else is getting arrested, and they just think they're going to be able to get paid and get out. Like, you know those uh, the police shows uh, that Walsh used to be on where they had, like, high-speed chases and yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine those guys in a high-speed chase calling and be like, so when am I getting my cut of the, <laughs> the robbery money? Like, you know, I'm kinda, I've am kind of kind of got a lot of heat on me right now, but, like, I'm really concerned about That my life insurance the, money yeah. should be coming through, right? I know I killed my wife, but I really need that life insurance money. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> on April 26, 2011, Daniel Wong was arrested at his work at Boston Pizza in front of all of his co-workers and charged with, you guessed it, first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and attempted murder. I think this is appropriate. 
You bastard. You bastard. <laughs> you, f- you f- wicked fucking pisser. I, that'd be sweet if his boss came out of the back and said that to him. <laughs> you fucking You fired. <laughs> you fired, you bastard. <laughs> Ledford is arrested a few days later on May 4th as he smokes a joint in his girlfriend's driveway and is charged with the same. Although the press conference mentioned many more arrests to come, this would be it. Prosecutors were champing at the bit to get this thing underway. This investigation produced the most sophisticated telephone analysis evidence to date, scanning over one million pieces of mobile phone data. Jeez, that's just between these dumb shits? Just between these idiots. Plus, they had to filter out, not to mention, all the extra shit they had to filter out just from the cell tower. That Mm. didn't have anything to do with this. You know damn well Gator and Bill Gates were like... Those are the same guy. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of like Bruce Wayne of Batman. <laughs> Technically the same, but still kind of different. Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So he's typing in. He's like, okay, let me get to the bottom of this Bob's invading thing. Let me see if I can find what the fuck this is. I gotta check through all yeah. this and see if anybody else has mentioned Bob's invading. <laughs> Before the trial can begin. Almost three years would pass, and 2,100 potential jurors needed to be interviewed. Six attorneys spent weeks and weeks going through the pool, most of which asked to be excused as they couldn't afford the time away from work. Since none of the defendants in this case were white, Jennifer's attorney requested that the court raise the juror pay so that minorities could miss work to sit on the jury. He was denied, and as such, only two of the jurors were visible minorities. Okay, alright. So... I feel like this is more jurors than O.J. Simpson got to go through. Yeah, I think so, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they were obviously, like, High very profile. selective of who mm. they wanted on there, but uh, I don't think in America you get that many people to go through. Probably not. I definitely don't. I think you get, like, a limit. Unless they can't find an impartial, then they, like, move yeah. to a different place in the county or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, geez, that's a lot of people. That's another thing, too. A lot of them said, I've been following this case since it began, so I can't remain impartial. I already well, have. I'm assuming this is like yeah. big, big, big shit. Worldwide. Here. Nation. Yeah. Like worldwide. There's mm. reporters there from everywhere. I'm, in fact, I think I'll talk about that right now. Hell yeah. On March 19th, 2014, the trial would kick off. On opening day, the courtroom was packed. Media outlets from around the world congregated to cover the trial and the courtroom would remain packed throughout the entire ordeal. After the lawyers enter and take their seats, the ragtag group of five defendants are brought in, legs shackled and arms cuffed up front. These are Jennifer Pan, Eric Carty, Lenford Crawford, David Milvaganum, and Daniel Wong. Assistant Crown Attorney Jennifer Halligan, who would receive universal praise from court reporters and even defense attorneys after this case, Opens for the prosecution. Oh, yeah. On Monday, November 8th, 2010, just after 10 o'clock at night, three men entered the Pan home in Unionville, a quiet neighborhood of Markham. They were in the house for less than 20 minutes. Bick and Han Pan were left to die. Bick Pan died. Han Pan miraculously did not. I am not going to talk to you this morning about our theory of what happened that night and why. Yet, this case is about murder. The plan and deliberate murder of an innocent, middle-aged woman and the attempted murder of her husband in their own home on a quiet Monday night in a quiet neighborhood. 
Murder that was arranged and paid for by their daughter, Jennifer Pond. But this story is also about love. Love a girl has for a boy. An an obsessive, relentless love and what she will do to keep him. Love that a father has for his daughter and what he will do to protect her. Love that led to what happened in the basement of an ordinary middle-class house. Mm -hmm. Damn. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Very poetic. She's getting it. I mean, honestly, the defense attorneys, it Mm. says in the book. They they, They love this. The defense attorneys after the or in the book say that she's pretty much guaranteed a judgeship if she should want it. Like really, she's such a good attorney that she could do whatever she wants. I'll say this: all the uh, true crime books I've read and stuff, man, I don't know if like to be a lawyer you have to like take a lot of <laughs> like poem courses or something. But their all mm. their shit is like so like precise mm. and poetic <laughs> and just like. Flows really. I don't know if somebody else writes it for him. Like I, mean, I don't know. Some of these guys are just like all lawyers should write books. Mm, I guess some of them do. Remember Jose Baez? Oh yeah, it's a piece <laughs> of shit. The Crown's tactics become apparent right off the bat. They were proceeding with this being a story of forbidden love, betrayal, money, and of course. A Daughter's Deadly Deception. Jeremy Grimaldi, <laughs> $9.99 on Google Books. Okay. The Crown describes Jennifer's plot, masterminded with her boyfriend and executed by his friends. This is only half the story. Prosecution is missing a pretty key thing as they proceed, and that's forensic evidence. There was no strange DNA found, no bloody clothes or towels left behind, and no recovered weapons. Even so, the prosecution is certain it can get multiple convictions based on the cell phone evidence and a solid plot line that shows all five parties involved were equally guilty of murder and should be incarcerated for the maximum sentence. How did they not find any... I mean, I guess... I guess if, you know, these guys killed uh, the mom and... or mom and attempted to kill the dad, I suppose any blood that got on their clothes, they probably burned it or something like that. Yeah, I don't... You know what I mean? I, I mean, there was nothing. Really? No hard evidence mm. at all. Mm. I, I know these dumb shits did not pull off... <laughs> the perfect fucking cry. Accidentally, they might have. <laughs> I guess. Like, what do they say about all those monkeys? If you put them in a room, they'll write Shakespeare. Something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> I'd you, like to see that, actually. If you put an infinite amount of monkeys with infinite typewriters in an infinite room, eventually one of them will, we'll write by accident, write Shakespeare. Okay, is that a quote from goddamn Stanley Kubrick? or what? Maybe. I, I don't know. I've heard it so many times, and I'm pretty sure I mangled the hell out of All's it. All I can think about right now is the opening to 2001. The well, goddamn monkeys. We're looking at the damn... Yeah. Gosh, that's such a cool record. Oh, for for yeah. it for the listener, we have the awesome 2001 Space Odyssey record. Hell official yeah. soundtrack right next to us in the, <laughs> in the studio. Right Iconic to, songs on that fucker. Right next to Santa Muerte and uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Chewbacca never killed anybody. Or no, he definitely killed Yeah, people. he killed a bunch of he people. He might be a serial killer, too, technically. I think he might be, yeah. <laughs> you just can't see his bone or through his hair. <laughs> That's the problem with Wookiees. Yeah, small, yeah. small dick to body size ratio. <laughs> Halagian front loads it. Gets all of the crown shortcomings out in the open at once by saying, I told you that three men entered the pan home that night. We don't. We know we don't have all three of them here together today, but that doesn't matter. For the rest of the trial, we will focus on these five only, and we will prove 
that each of them knowingly participated. That doesn't mean they all pulled the trigger. (laughs) Trigger. They didn't, but they all had a role. All of them took part in the planning, and we can prove that at least two of them were in the home. Jennifer and David. David had a gun. Eric Cardi was at the house, but whether he was inside or not, we can't say for sure. We know Daniel and Lenford weren't there that night, but that does not matter. They were all instrumental in putting the plan in motion, and they helped Jennifer carry it out, knowing full well what they were doing. Mm. I'm surprised she didn't call him Sniper in there. Sni- oh, yeah. I, I can't believe she Sniper didn't Sniper was in the house. <laughs> we have a sniper in the house. <laughs> the star witness prepares to take the stand. Han Pan takes a slow but determined walk to the box, wearing an open-collar black shirt and ill-fitting black dress pants, because his waist is so tiny. Mm. So if he's you like remember Mr. Tw- Vang from work, <laughs> no waist, no ass. <laughs> I generally don't check out elderly Asian gentlemen if too you often. Look at but... an old, if you look at an old Asian man that's not tubby, they mm. have very small waist, very, very small, small legs. Their pants never look like they fit. So, so he might have to get like a 2432 or something. No, 2428 or something. I've never dealt in those sizes <laughs> since I was like four, so I don't remember. <laughs> he seems unhindered by the two bullets that ripped through his face and neck and left him in a coma for several days. I Probably not, because babes probably love love it. Probably. Oh, I bet he's pulling it all in. Plus, he's a widow. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, he's good to go. He, sniper thinks he's a player. Well, I'll tell you what, Han He's Pond, getting the snipers. I've, he's getting plenty of bobs and beijings <laughs> on the regular. He's the king of MySpace right now. Han's answers were short and to the point. He used an interpreter who was trained to remove emotion from translation, but even with these factors, everyone in the courtroom can see through his calm gaze, and they hang on every word of a man that's reliving what is obviously the most emotionally racking thing anyone could imagine. I Like, if we think about it, like, okay, he's, yes, they're translating, but I'm certain you can still see the emotion on this man's face. And he's trying Pretty not ho- to, he's trying not to crack, he's yeah. trying to remain stoic the whole yeah. time. like... It's pretty hard to hide that. Han recounts with wistfulness how a few months prior to his wife's murder, he had accomplished his life's ambition. He and his wife had immigrated to Canada decades before, had two beautiful children, and had finally paid off their $600,000 home with quite a bit of money growing in their bank account. Han and Bick had just taken out $170,000 life insurance policies on themselves and sat down their two children to explain that if anything were to happen to them, do not worry. With the insurance, house, cars, and money in the bank, each of them were set to receive 500000 uh, Yeah, don't tell your kids that. My mom openly jokes about my dad's life insurance policy a little little too much. Yeah, I, from what I've heard <laughs> in all the old, old-fashioned, old uh, yeah. probably no longer PC sitcoms of the day, you're never supposed to tell your wife exactly how much life insurance you have. <laughs> you say enough to make sure I'm buried and make sure you're all right for a little while. <laughs> Questioned by the defense about the imprisonment he subjected his daughter to, Han responded this was traditional Asian parenting. He wanted both of his children to achieve a certain level of education or else he couldn't consider them as children. But any sympathy and outrage at the unfair house arrest the defense might have mustered quickly fell away in the recess that followed. Several of the reporters overheard in the hallway went on and on about their Asian parents and how they had it so much worse than Jennifer. At least Jennifer 
came from an affluent household. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a very Asian argument. I've heard this before. Oh, you think your parents are bad? Yeah. Mine are a hundred times yeah. worse. I, I Some of my Asian friends have heard them argue about whose parents are meaner to them. I could see it. Well, you know what? I get that a lot of them are successful. The shitty thing Very... about stereotypes is when they're mm. true. That's the <laughs> shittiest part about stereotypes. I mean, like he said, it's a, it's a cultural thing for them. Mm-hmm. But so, it's still, fuck, it's yeah. border, it's abuse. It she is, was it locked is. up. I mean, goddamn. I feel like. But she was also she, a grown woman that made a choice. Like, she put herself yeah, in imprisonment. I, Well, that, and I think if she went through with this, she was probably predisposed that she would do this anyway. There exactly. Yeah, so there you go. So when she agreed to come back in, she already mm. had intentions of murdering her Mo- parents. Most people in her shoes would eventually crack and get to the point where they just left. She yeah. decided to kill them. Yeah. So there's something with her that pushed her over that way versus most people who would end up just leaving, you know. Which is definitely the healthy thing to do. Yeah. Instead of They'll forgive you in a year or so, just Time Step heals all yes. wounds. Time heals all wounds. Mine, mine is killing forget. your parents. That's it. That's the one wound <laughs> that won't close. Yeah. Felix Pan, Jennifer's brother, made his shaky, awkward way up to the stand. He is tall and bookish, skinny, and incredibly nervous. He uses like and um way too much. And whenever his mother is brought up, he has to cough or sneeze or clear his throat to try and keep the tears at oh, bay. Oh, that's sad. I was, I was, the likes and ums, I, uh... It's the world of podcasts. I really, right there. I, I was trying to figure out how to write. It sounds yeah. like us, but I didn't know how. It's the life of podcasters right there. <laughs> Felix brings up his sister's University of Toronto degree, which he had seen her show people countless times, and she would bring it out on job interviews, quote unquote. He was shocked to find out it was a fake that she simply typed up in Photoshop. Ooh, unless she must have been pretty good at Photoshop at the time, I guess. There's a picture of the degree in the really? book. It actually looks decent. It's great. It actually okay. looks decent. I it's couldn't not even... great, but... Well, I'm saying I probably couldn't even do that right now. No, that shit's hard. <laughs> he was shocked to find out it was fake and that she was... Sim- oh, I already said that. Felix also says they couldn't attend her graduation ceremony from college because there were no tickets left and her parents couldn't see any pictures because her friend accidentally went back to Hong Kong with the picture still on her camera. <sighs> it doesn't work like that. That's insanity. <laughs> it does not work like this that. This was 2010. Yeah. Facebook was in full swing at the time. Right. Right. That's right. Fucking Zuckerberg, man. When the defense takes over, they try and push their narrative that the murder plot was intended only for Han Pan. And the reason Jennifer was so broken and upset was because of Han Pan's isolation abuse. Felix remained strong. He didn't want his sister to walk away from this. The two things the defense gets him to agree with are Han definitely used isolation as punishment or to get them to comply. And in the days leading up to the murder, Jennifer was isolated beyond normal. But he says house arrest is too strong of a term. Hmm. So So she wasn't even allowed to like, like go do the chores or go to piano lessons or anything. Like she was pretty much locked down to the house. She wasn't allowed to leave. Well, that does sound like worse than house arrest. I don't know why Felix. Maybe <laughs> just because he doesn't want to see her get uh, get off, yeah. get away with anything. So I, I guess I don't remember. Did you talk about did, was Felix treated this way too, or just her? He was off at college at this time, so during all of this, he's not really around. He's about an hour away. I was kind of wondering: Are they like in a traditional Asian household? Are they? I feel like they're meaner to the 
female of the family. I, that's right? the way it seems. Okay. I mean, in all the old things I heard about the foot bindings mm. back during the one child rule, mm. where they would encase the girl's feet in concrete so they couldn't get big or whatever. <sighs> okay, that's not great. Since Jennifer originally admitted to a weird soap opera conspiracy in which she hired a man named Homeboy to break into her home and commit, as she put it, an assassination on myself. Defending her would never be an easy task. And after the end of a 10-month trial on December 13th, 2014, 12, 13, 14, mm. the jury files into the courtroom after their fourth straight day of deliberation. The accused are already seated, and the three males, Lenford, Daniel, and David, all look around, acting bewildered and scared. Mm. Jennifer, on the other hand, tries to maintain a playful disposition before the judge calls the court to order and their fates are announced. She even picks a little piece of lint off her attorney's robe and blows it away laughing and stuff. <coughs> Jennifer? Okay, she's mm -hmm. crazy then. Oh, she's nuts. She's, she's very she, nuts. She. I don't know if she's just trying to portray, like, if she's trying to put it out in the, do some magic to put it out in the universe <laughs> that she's going to get a innocent, but that's, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I got plenty of lint, and it doesn't seem to have any magic powers. <laughs> Especially generally, my belly button. Yeah, I was going to say, generally get it in my belly button, and it does not seem to do anything. Ugh, it stinks. <laughs> the foreman stands and looks each of the four accused in the face as he reads the verdict he and his co-jurors had come to. All of them guilty of murder and attempted murder. Mm, yeah, Eric yeah. Cardi, Sniper, eventually was tried separately as his lawyer suffered a massive coronor coronary midway through the main trial. He sniped his large vein in his heart, huh? <laughs> or no, that's a stroke, right? Or no, that's a heart attack, yeah, kind yeah. of. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, a coronary is a heart attack. Okay. Even with his new lawyer, he was found guilty of first-degree murder <laughs> and attempted murder and sentenced to 18 years without possibility of parole. Jennifer was sentenced a month later on January 23rd, 2015, and given the maximum sentence the Canadian legal system allows, 25 years, no parole, no early release. After the trial, the Crown requested a no-communication order to be placed on Jennifer so she couldn't try contacting her family. Her lawyers argued against it, but the judge allowed it. To this day, from prison, she tries everything she can to reach out, but unless the order is lifted, she won't be able to talk to them for another two decades. I, I Sounds like justice was served. Right? Uh, I think so. They kind of got it here. Except for the two to three other people that could be also brought to I justice mean, I for mean, murder. Do you think they were gunmen? Or do you just think they were talking about it, kind of? It as Hey, if you're in on the conspiracy, I if mean, you're helping yeah. plan the murder, you are just as guilty, right? But they have, like, conspiracy to commit murder, don't they? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know what... That's what they rung all of them up on originally. I don't know what the charges for that does, okay does in america does conspiracy to commit murder they can get you for essentially if you were to hire an assassin right mm -hmm. damn they usually put you in jail for life for that i think here definitely so uh, hmm. okay. and i think maybe that maybe it gets overshadowed when murder one is charged maybe once it actually works and you kill somebody they don't worry so much about the conspiracy mm, and more about yeah. the dead body instead. <laughs> okay, so what's going to happen? She's going to get out in 2040, right? Uh, what's going to happen first? She gets out where the Blue Jays win a World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they made a push in 2014, but that's like the last time. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, uh, are they, they're the team who's playing in Buffalo throughout the season, I think. Are they? Yeah. Oh, are they doing hub cities for baseball? Is that what they're doing? No, no, no. They're letting them travel and everything, okay. but no fans or anything else. Right. I heard they're going to do CG fans or something like uh, that. They did cardboard cutouts. That's funny. It is. Pretty, I was going to, I was joking. I was like, we should get a Bumblebutt. Forget like Ed Gemper, the Bumblebutt oh. shirt on. Put that in the stands. That'd Take be it to amazing. Target Field. <laughs> yes. I'm sure it's like $10,000 to put one of those in there. But Have uh, you watched any baseball? Yeah, I watched you? today and yesterday, opening day. Yeah. Beautiful. Twinkies? Yes, yes, yes. The Twins and the uh, White Sox. God damn it. I need mm. to fucking get Fox Sports on my computer or whatever. Yesterday's game was good. Today, not so good. They didn't look right? Mm, I mean, no, they got beat pretty bad, mm. but... That's baseball. That's you baseball. win one, you lose one. And the it's... score really doesn't matter. No. Because once it gets to like five to nothing, the the losing team just quits. And then it can be <laughs> 18 to nothing. It doesn't matter. Well, it, it, it always seems like, okay, so they played a night game yesterday, stomped them. And then today they played a day game. They got stomped. So a day's rest, then they'll probably play better. So Same lineup? Or did they? Uh, I don't know. Baseball is weird right now. Maybe we'll have to talk about the yeah. Jim Bumbles. Yeah, let's get this fucking yeah. out of here. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed the Jennifer Pan story and not the MLB, you can email me at us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod, Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody, those iTunes reviews. Hell yeah. Um, I I can't remember if we got two or three five stars this week, um, but we did get two writtens that I can tell. Now, I'm going to have to take a deep breath here to read these bad boys. Uh, now, the first one is, I was instantly hooked on this podcast, and that's when the cannibalism started. Hell yeah. <laughs> by, uh, by Little Witch 95. Thank you, Little Witch. I believe we have talked to her as well. Yes, absolutely yeah. we have. Oh my gosh, these guys are awesome. Their content is amazing quality. It's got all of my favorite things combined. The paranormal, true crime, and comedy. I swear I laughed so hard listening to the Witch of Staten Island episode. I was crying. These guys are now one of my top podcasts that I regularly listen to. I would give them a thousand stars if I could. Keep up the great work, y'all. But you don't want to go down that route. Oh, I'm supposed to say it like this. Like Stan. But you don't want to go down that route. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if that is a real main accent or if it's not. <laughs> I don't we don't know. We don't know. God, or if God it's only just knows. his, his yeah. accent. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much. Definitely. Now, Who is that from? Uh, Little Witch 95. Oh, that was all from Little Witch. That was all from <laughs> Little Fuck, Witch. Yeah, yeah, thank you, brother. Sister. <laughs> Sister. <laughs> all right. Now, our next one is Cody, Adam, and Jordan are an awesome, funny team. By Rochelle sixty three. Rochelle, there's a song about Rochelle, but I can't remember it. <laughs> Maybe you can sing it for us later. If you enjoy fun banter mixed with true crime, the paranormal, and even a cryptid thrown in, you'll dig listening to these three dudes. Mm. Each has uh, his own style of telling a story, and I guarantee you'll be addicted before long. You've been warned. Yes. Enjoy. Y- oh, you've been warned dot, too. Dot, enjoy. Dot. I forget what they call that. Where they put the ellipses. Ellipses, mm. yes. Uh, but thank you very much. That was amazing. Keep Rochelle, them... Witchy, you're, you guys are the best. Definitely. Yep. Keep them fucking coming. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, iTunes reviews are very important. Very important. Very they help important. us. If we could ever get on that goddamn new and noteworthy <laughs> fucking almost three years in here. I think, that would you, be nice. I think you can only when you start out. 
No, no, no. New and noteworthy. New and noteworthy. We might be able to. We might have to, like, blow Steve Jobs' corpse to get on there or something, but. I consider us noteworthy. I believe Mm. we should be on there. I believe so, too. Hey, go to patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast, sign up. Listen to our new Mothman episodes. Hell We're yes. about to record another one right now. It's going to be great. Yes. I know. It's going to be good. The extra naughty part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All we got last time was a little lesbian Zax. Little four, four, uh, Five four play. play. Four <laughs> little play. six play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to do it for all of us here at the Mobile Bubba Podcast. Jordan, we wish you luck. Ollie, we wish you luck. Cody, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. And I've been Adam. So thank you very much to everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next Tuesday, unless it's Thursday. <laughs> what? I, it works. I and like then, it. See, uh, have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. <laughs> Spada-bada-bop. <laughs>